Chapters forty five to fifty of Dulcibel by Henry Peterson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter forty five. When Master Joseph arrived home, he told his wife of what a perverse course things had taken amid his own and her frequent laughter and then he could do nothing else than walk up and down impatiently glancing at frequent intervals towards the road to see if anybody were coming in the course of an hour or so nobody appearing and sweetbriar being sweetened up again by a good feed he ordered the horse brought out then he was persuaded by his wife to recall the order and wait patiently till sundown what impatient creatures you men are said mistress elizabeth with feminine superiority doubtless he will be along give him sufficient time now do not worry husband mine but take things patiently so master joseph was induced to control his restlessness and just as soon as he could have been reasonably expected master raymond was seen riding up the lane at a light canter hurrah cried master joseph running to meet him and is it all over we have smitten ammon hip and thigh from aurora in till thou come to minneth answered master raymond laughing it was you that kept the she-wolf away i know how did you do it come in and i will tell you all about it and i want to hear how all went off in salem after a couple of hours conversation broken frequently by irresponsible bursts of laughter the young men were mutually enlightened and complimented each other upon the success with which they had worked out their respective schemes while young mistress elizabeth complimented them both thinking honestly in her innocent heart that two such wonderful young men certainly had never before existed how i should like to have seen you astonishing old squire hathorne said master joseph i am afraid you would have spoiled all by laughing said his young wife you know you can never control your merriment joseph i cannot you should have seen me preaching to sister anne this afternoon i kept my face all the time as sober as a judge's you know she had to take it all quietly she could not even run away from it i would have given one of your five-pound massachusetts notes to see it said master raymond and five pounds more to see your brother thomas stamping up and down the bar-room of the crown and anchor waiting for that ipswich man to meet him i was very careful all through not to tell a direct falsehood said master joseph it is bad enough to deceive people without being guilty of downright lying of course replied master raymond i do not know that i told a downright lie either all day though i must admit that i acted a pretty big one you must deal with fools according to their folly you know we have scripture for that i do not think i would have done it merely to save myself said master joseph evidently a little conscious smitten but to save you my friend that seems to be different and dulcibel added master raymond if i were imprisoned what would become of her yes i am glad i did it responded his friend regaining his confidence i have really hurt neither brother thomas nor sister anne on the contrary i have prevented them from doing a great wrong 
I am willing to answer for this day's work at the last day, and I feel certain that at least both of them will thank me for it. I have no doubt of it, said Mistress Elizabeth, who herself brought up in the rigid Puritan school, had felt the same misgivings as her husband, but whose scruples were also removed by this last consideration. As for Master Raymond, he being more a man of the world, had felt no scruples at playing such a deceitful part. I am afraid that to save Dulcibel, he would not have scrupled at open and downright lying, not that he had not all the sensitiveness of an honourable man as to his word, but because he looked upon the whole affair as a piece of malicious wickedness, in defiance of all just law, and which every true-hearted man was bound to oppose and defeat by all means allowable in open or secret warfare. "'I suppose you go back to Boston tomorrow,' said his host, as they were about to separate for the night. "'Yes, immediately after breakfast. This affair is a warning to me, to push my plans to a consummation as soon as possible. I think I know what their next move will be. A shrewd man once said, just think what is the wisest thing for your enemies to do, and provide against that. What is it? Remove the governor. Why, I understand he was a mere puppet in the hands of the two Mathers. He would be, perhaps, but there is a lady Fitz. Ah, the grey mare is the better horse, is she? As it is over at Brother Thomas's? Yes, I think so. Now mark my prediction, friend Joseph. The first blow will be struck at Lady Mary, if Sir William resists, as I feel certain that he will, for he is, if not well educated, a thoroughly manly man, then he will be ousted from his position. You will note that it has been the same game all through, to strike at anyone, man or woman, who came between these vampires and their prey. I know only of one exception. Ah, who is that? Yourself. Master Joseph smiled grimly. They value their own lives very highly, friend Raymond, and know that to arrest me would be no child's play. Besides, Sweetbriar is never long unsaddled, and he is the fastest horse in Salem. Yes, and to add to all that, you are a Putnam, and your wife is closely connected with Squire Hathorne. There may be something in that, said his friend. Yes. Even Mistress Anne has her limits, which her husband, submissive in so many things, will not allow her to pass. But we are both a little tired, after such an eventful day. Good night. Chapter 46 While the foregoing conversation was taking place, one of a very different kind was passing between Mistress Anne and her worthy husband. He had gathered up all the particulars he could of the examination, and had brought them home to his wife for her instruction. After listening to all that he had to tell, with at least outward calmness, she said bitterly, The whole thing was a trick, you see, to keep you and me away from Salem. Do you think so? Do you think, then, that no man really wanted to see me at Ipswich? It is as plain as the nose of your face, replied his wife. You were to be decoyed off to Ipswich, my horse sent out of the way, and then Joseph's madcap horse offered to me, they knowing well that the worthless creature would not behave himself with any woman on his back. Oh, sure, Anne, 
you do not mean that my simple-hearted brother joseph putnam ever planned and carried out a subtle scheme of that kind said honest thomas with an older brother's undervaluation of the capabilities of a mere boy like joseph i do not say that joseph thought it all out for very probable he did not doubtless that master raymond put him up to it for he seems cunning and unprincipled enough for anything judging by what you have told me of his ridiculous doings you may call them ridiculous anne but they impressed everybody very much indeed dr griggs told me that he had no doubt whatever that an evil hand was on him dr griggs is an old simpleton said his wife crossly and even squire hathorne says that he never saw a stronger case of spectral persecution why when one of the young men thrust the point of his rapier at the yellow bird some of its feathers were cut off and came fluttering to the ground squire hathorne says he never saw anything more wonderful nonsense it is all trickery trickery why my dear wife the squire has the feathers and he means to send them at once to master cotton mather by a special messenger to confute all the scoffers and unbelievers in boston and plymouth a scornful reply was at the end of his wife's tongue but on second thought she did not allow it to get any further suppose that she did convince her husband and squire hathorne that they had been grossly deceived and imposed upon and that master raymond's apparent afflictions and spectral appearance were the result of skilful juggling what then would their enlightenment stop there how about the pins that the girls had concealed around their necks and taken up with their mouths how about mary walcott secretly biting herself and then screaming out that good rebecca nurse had bitten her how about the little prints on the arms of the afflicted girls which they allowed were made by the teeth of little dorcas good that child not five-year-old and which mistress anne knew were made by the girls themselves how could the bites and streaks and bruises which she herself had shown as the visible proof that the spectre of good rebecca nurse then lying in jail was biting her and beating her with her chains for edward putnam had sworn i saw the marks both of bite and chains perhaps it was safer to let master raymond's juggling go unexposed considering that she herself and the afflicted girls had done so very much of it therefore she said i have no faith in master raymond nevertheless no more than moses had in king pharaoh's sorcerers when they did the very same miracles before the king that he had done i believe him now to be a cunning and very bad young man and i think if i had been on the spot instead of his being at this very moment as i have a very little doubt over at brothers where they are congratulating each other on the success of their unprincipled plans master raymond would now be lying in salem jail probably you are correct my dear responded her husband meekly and i think it not unlikely that master raymond may have thought the same and planned to keep you away but it was evident to me that if the afflicted girls had taken one side or the other in the matter it would not have been yours why even our own daughter anne was laughing and joking with him when i entered the court-room yes said his wife disdainfully that is girl nature all over the earth just put a handsome young man before them who has seen the world and is full of his smiles and flatteries and cajolements 
and the wisest of women can do nothing with them but the cold years bring them out of that she added bitterly they find what they call love is a folly and a snare her husband looked out of the window into the dark night and made no reply to this outburst he had always loved his wife and he thought when he married her that she loved him although he was an excellent match so far as property and family were concerned still she would occasionally talk in this way and he hoped and trusted that it did not mean much i think myself he said at length that it is quite as much as the pretty gifts he has made them and has promised to send them from england as his handsome face and pleasant manners of course it all goes together they are a set of mere giggling girls and that is all you can make of them and our daughter anne is as bad as any of a lot i wish she did not take so much after your family thomas this roused her husband a little i am sure anne that our family are much stronger and healthier than your own are and as to anne's being like the other girls i wish she was she is about the only delicate and nervous one among them well thomas if you have got at last upon that matter of the superiority of the putnams to everybody else in the province i think i should go to bed retorted his wife that is the only thing that you are thoroughly unreasonable about but i do not think you ever had a single minister or any learned scholar in your family or ever owed a whole island in the miramic river as my family the harmons always have done since the country was first settled and probably always shall for the next five hundred years to this thomas putnam had no answer he knew well that he had no minister and no island in his family and those two things in his wife's estimation were things that no family of any reputation should be without he had not brought on a discussion although his wife had accused him of doing so and had only asserted what he thought the truth in stating that the putnams were the stronger and sturdier race i do not wish to hurt your feelings thomas in reminding you of these things continued his wife finding he was not intending to reply i will admit that your family is a very reputable and worthy one even if it is not especially gifted with intellect like the harmons else you may be sure that i should not have married into it but i have a headache and do not wish to continue this discussion any longer as it is unpleasant to me and besides in very bad taste and so taking the hint master putnam like a dutiful husband who really loved his somewhat peevish and fretful wife acknowledged by his silence in the future that the harmons were more superior to any family that could not boast of possessing a minister and an island the latter for five hundred years chapter forty seven when master raymond returned to boston he found that an important event had taken place in his absence captain alden and master philip english and his wife had all escaped from prison and were nowhere to be found how captain alden had managed things with the jailer this young man was not able to ascertain probably however by a liberal use of money as for master english and his wife they were as i have already said at liberty in the daytime under heavy bonds and had nothing to do but walk off some time between sunrise and sundown 
as master english's ship the porcupine had been lying for a week or two in boston harbor and left with a brisk northwest wind early in the morning of the day when they were reported missing it was not difficult for anyone to surmise as to their mode of escape as to captain alden he might or might not have gone with them as was natural there was a good deal of righteous indignation expressed by all in authority the jailer was reprimanded for his carelessness in the case of captain alden and warned that if another prisoner escaped he would forfeit his of late very profitable position and the large properties of both gentlemen were attached and held as being subject to confiscation but while the magistrates and officials usually were in earnest in these proceedings it was generally believed that the governor influenced by lady mary had secretly favoured the escaping parties the two ministers of south church masters willard and moody were also known to frequently visit the captain and master english in their confinement and to have expressed themselves very freely in public relative to the absurdity of the charges which had been made against them master moody had even gone so far as to preach a sermon on the text when they persecute you in this city flee ye into another which was supposed by many to have a direct bearing on the case of the accused and it is certain that soon afterwards the reverend master moody found it expedient to resign his position in south church and go back to his old home in portsmouth anxious to learn the true inwardness of all this matter master raymond called a few days after his return to see lady mary upon sending in his name a maid immediately appeared and he was taken as before to the boudoir where he found her ladyship eagerly awaiting him and so you are safely out of the lines then master raymond she said laughing i heard you had passed through securely the young man smiled yes thanks to providence and to a good friend of mine in salem tell me about it said the lady i have the magisterial account already i now wish to have yours will your ladyship pardon me if i ask a question first i am so anxious to hear about mistress dulcibel have you seen her lately and is she well as well and as blooming as ever the keeper and his wife treat her very kindly and i think would continue to do so even if the supply of british gold pieces were to fail by the way she might be on the high seas now or rather in new york if she had so chosen i wish she had why did she not go with them because your arrest complicated things so she would not go and leave you in the hands of the philistines oh that was foolish i think so too but i do not think that you are exactly the person to say so responded the lady a little offended at what seemed a want of appreciation of the sacrifice that dulcibel had made on his account but master raymond appeared not to notice the rebuke he simply added if i could have been there to counsel her i would have convinced her that i was in no serious danger for even if imprisoned i do not think there is a jail in the province that could hold me well there was a difficulty with the keeper also for she had given her word you know not to escape when she was taken into his house but captain alden had also given his word how did he manage it i don't know replied the lady but to a hint dropped by dulcibel 
the jailer shook his head resolutely and said that no money would tempt him the difficulty in her case then remains the same as ever said the young man thoughtfully and a little gloomily she might go into the prison but that would be to give warning that she had planned to escape besides it is such a vile place that i hate the idea of her passing a single night in one of its sickening cells perhaps i can wring a pardon out of sir william said the young lady musing oh lady mary if you only could we should both forever worship you the lady smiled at the young man's impassioned language and manner he looked as if he would throw himself at her feet i should be glad to do it but sir william just now is more rigid than ever he had a call yesterday from his pastor master cotton mather and a long talk from him about the witches master mather it seems has had further evidence and of the most convincing character of the reality of those spectral appearances indeed said master raymond showing great interest for he had an idea of what was coming yes in a recent examination at salem before squire hathorne a young man struck with his sword at a spectral yellow bird which was tormenting an afflicted person and several small yellow feathers were cut off by the thrust and floated down to the floor squire hathorne writes to master mather that he would not have believed it if he had not seen it but as it was he would be willing to take his oath before any court in christendom that this wonderful thing really occurred master raymond could not help laughing i see you have no more faith in the story than i have continued lady mary but it had a great effect upon sir william coming from a man of such wonderful learning and wisdom as master cotton mather especially as he said that he had seen the yellow feathers himself which had since been sent to him by squire hathorne and which had a singular smell of sulphur about them the young man broke into a heartier laugh than before then he said scornfully it seems to me that no amount of learning however great can make a sensible man out of a fool why you know something about this then did it happen while you were in salem i know everything about it said master raymond i am the very man that worked the miracle and he proceeded to give lady mary a detailed account of the whole affair substantially as it is known to the reader by the way as to the feather smelling of sulphur concluded the young man i think that is very probable inasmuch as i observed the jailer's wife that very morning giving the younger chickens powdered brimstone to cure them of the pip i think you are a marvellously clever young man was the lady's first remark as he concluded his account thank your ladyship replied master raymond smiling i hope i shall always act so as to deserve such a good opinion i would have given my gold cup which of the duke of albemarle gave me to have been there especially when the yellow bird's feathers came floating down to squire hathorne's revengeful amazement said lady mary laughing heartily you must come up here to-morrow morning at noon master mather is to bring his feathers to show the governor and to astound the governor's sceptical wife you're not afraid to come are you i shall enjoy it very much that is if the governor will promise that i shall not suffer for my disclosures i am free now and i do not wish to be arrested again oh i will see to that the governor will be so curious to hear your story 
that he will promise all that you desire as to your safety besides you will not be sorry to take down master mather a little these puritan ministers presume on their vocation too much they all think they are perfectly capable of governing not only provinces but kingdoms while the whole history of the world proves their utter incapacity to govern even a village wisely that is true as the gospel lady mary but one thing i have always noticed that while every minister thinks this he would himself far rather be governed even by one of the world's people than by a minister if any other belief than his own so you see they really do think the same as we do about it only they do not always know it you are a bright young man lady mary replied pleasantly and i think almost good enough to wear such a sweet rose next to your heart as mistress dulcibel chapter thirty eight that evening as master raymond was standing in the bar-room of the red lion captain tolly came in and after tossing off a stout glass of rum and water went out again giving the young englishman a nod and the agreed-upon signal a smothering of his black beard with the left hand after the lapse of a few minutes master raymond followed going towards the wharfs which in the evening were almost deserted arrived at the end of one of the wharfs he found the captain of the storm king so you got out of the clutches of those salem's rascals safely said the captain i was afraid i should have to go all the way to salem for you you would not have deserted me then captain that is not of the kind of a marlin spike i am replied the captain quaintly i'd have got you out of salem jail unless it is a good deal stronger than the boston one thank you captain but i am glad there was no need of your trying you heard of course that captain alden was off and master and mistress english yes and very glad i was too why did not your sweetheart go with the englishes there were several reasons one a rather foolish one she would not leave me in prison she would not no damn me why that girl is fit to be a sailor's wife when we get her off safely i intend to have her as the figurehead of the storm king i am afraid that would be a very unhealthy position she might catch a bad cold replied master raymond of course i mean in wood painted white with red cheeks said captain tolly it brings good luck to have a fine woman for a figurehead pleases old nep you know but we must get her off at first rejoined master raymond now to keep out of that hateful jail she has given her word to keep her arnold not to escape you know she cannot break her word of course not replied the captain a lady is like a sailor she cannot go back on her promise and there is where the trouble comes in by keep her arnold over i am afraid i cannot not for a good while at least they are all down upon him for captain arden's escape they might give him a terrible whipping if another prisoner got off the captain shrugged his shoulders yes i saw them whip some quakers once it was not a good honest lash but something the hangman had got up on purpose and which cut to the very bone i have seen men and women killed down on the spanish main but i never saw a sight like that good harmless men and women too a little touched here you know and the captain tapped his forehead lightly with his forefinger yes 
I should not like to hear that Master Arnold had been tortured like that on our account. Suppose we carry her off some night by force, she having no hand in the arrangements. She can even refuse to go, you know, if she pleases. We will handle her as gently as a little bird, and you can come up and rescue her if you choose, and knock down two or three of us. How would that do? Half a dozen of the Storm King's men could easily do that. Choose a night with a brisk northwester, and we would be past the castle's guns before the sleepy landlubbers had their eyes open. Master Raymond shook his head dubiously. I do not like it, and yet I suppose it must do, if nothing better can be found. Of course, if we carry her off bodily against her will, it would neither be a breaking of her pledge, nor expose Keeper Arnold to any danger or after punishment though he might perhaps get pretty seriously hurt in resisting us, and she would not much like that. I suppose then we must wait a while longer, said the captain. I am ready any time you say the word. Only be careful that a good west or a nor'west wind is blowing. When once out on the high seas, we can take care of ourselves. Many French privateers out there, thick as blackberries, but they are of no account. Those we cannot fight we can easily run away from. There is no craft on these seas that can overhaul the Storm King. With a hearty shake of the hand, the two parted, the captain for the vessel of which he was so proud, Master Raymond for his room in the Red Lion. Chapter 49 The next day, a little before noon, Master Raymond knocked at the door of the governor's mansion and was at once conducted to lady mary's boudoir the reverend master mather is already with the governor said her ladyship and i expect to receive a summons to join them every moment and in fact the words were hardly out of her mouth when sir william's private secretary master joslyn appeared with a request for her ladyship's presence come with me she said to master raymond but do not say anything much less smile or laugh until i call upon you for your testimony as they entered the courteous governor handled his lady to a seat on the sofa and master mather made a dignified obeisance i have brought along a young friend of mine who was with me and would also like to hear all of these wonderful things said her ladyship and master raymond bowed very deferentially to both the high dignities they returning the bow while sir william politely requested him to be seated i was just on the point of showing to sir william the most remarkable curiosities of even this very remarkable era and he suggested that you also doubtless would like to see them said the minister at this time a man of about thirty years of age he was rather a comely and intelligent-looking man and master raymond wondered that one who appeared so intellectual should be the victim of such absurd hallucinations lady mary bent her head approvingly in answer to the minister i should like it very much to see them she replied courteously and master mather continued in the work i have been preparing on the wonders of the invisible world several of the sheets of which i have already shown to sir william i have collected many curious and wonderful instances thus in the case of the eldest daughter of master john goodwin whom i took into my own house in order that i might more thoroughly investigate the spiritual and physical phenomena 
of witchcraft i found that while the devils that tormented her were familiar with latin greek and hebrew they seemed to have very little knowledge of the various indian dialects that certainly is very curious replied sir william inasmuch as those heathen are undeniably the children of the devil as all our wisest and most godly ministers agree yes continued the minister it is true and that makes me conjecture that these devils were in fact only playing a part to deceive me into thinking that the red heathen around us were not really the children of satan as they undoubtedly are i think that the most reasonable view responded the governor as to the reality of this new assault by satan upon this little seed of god's people in the new world continued master mather fervently i have now no doubt whatever proof has been multiplied upon proof and the man or woman who does not by this time believe is simply one of those deplorable doubters like thomas who never can be convinced for my part i consider witchcraft the most nefandous high treason against the majesty on high and the principal design of my book is to manifest its hideous enormity and to promote a pious thankfulness to god that justice so far is being inflexibly executed among us lady mary's face flushed a little for she saw the drift of the minister's censor it was well known in all the inner circles that she had neither faith in the reality of witchcraft nor the least sympathy with the numerous prosecutions and the inflexible justice which the minister lauded the governor knew his wife's temper and hastened to say still we must admit master mother that some persons with tender conscience require more convincing proofs than do others and therefore i was anxious that lady mary should see these feathers you spoke of cut from the wings of one of those yellow birds which appear to be used so frequently as familiars by the salem witches oh yes i had forgotten them for a moment and putting his hand into his breast pocket master mather produced a small box which he opened carefully and called their attention to a couple of small yellow feathers placed on a piece of black cloth within i would not take a hundred pounds for these spectral feathers said the minister exultingly they are the only positive proof of the kind now existing in the whole world with these little feathers i shall dash out the brains of a host of unbelievers especially of that silly caliph or caitiff who is all the time going around among the merchants wagging his vile tongue against me sir william and lady mary had been looking upon the feathers very curiously at last lady mary gave a low incredulous laugh her husband looked at her inquiringly they are nothing but common chicken feathers which could be picked up in any barnyard she said scornfully your ladyship is very much mistaken you never saw chicken feathers like those said the minister his face now also flushing who was the yellow bird afflicting when these feathers were cut the lady asked a young man was on his examination for witchcraft squire hathorn writes me but he was found to be himself a victim and was released which proves by the way how careful the worship before magistrates are in salem lest any who are innocent should be implicated with the guilty the young man began to cry out that an evil hand was on him and that a yellow bird was trying to peck out his eyes whereupon one of the bystanders pulled out his rapier and smote at the spectral bird when these feathers were cut off 
becoming visible of course as soon as they were detached from the bird and its evil influence it is one of the most wonderful things that i ever heard of and master mather gazed on the feathers with admiring and almost reverential eyes sir william said his lady you have i hope a little common sense left if these massachusetts ministers and magistrates have all gone crazy on this subject you know what a chicken is if they do not and are those simply chicken feathers why my dear replied the governor wriggling in his great armchair i grant that they certainly do look like chicken feathers but then you know the yellow bird the witches use may have feathers like unto a chicken's nonsense replied larry mary none are so blind as those that will not see i suppose that if i were to bring that afflicted young man here and he were to acknowledge that the whole thing was a trick got up by him to save his life you would not believe him indeed i should replied sir william yes lady mary find the young man and question him yourself said master mather none are so certain as those that have never informed themselves i have made inquiry into these marvellous things i even took that afflicted girl as i have told you into my own house in order to inform myself of the truth when you have investigated the matter to one-tenth the extent that i have you will be prepared to give a reasonable opinion as to its truth or falsehood until then some modesty of statement would become a lady who sets up her crude opinion against all the ministers and the magistrates of the land this was a tone which the leading ministers of that day among the puritans did not hesitate to take even where high dignitaries were concerned and master mather had the highest ideas of the privilege of his order then i suppose master mather that if the afflicted young man himself should testify that these feathers were simply chicken feathers that he had artfully thrown up into the air you would not acknowledge that he had deceived you if such an impossible thing could happen though i know not that it could of course i should be compelled to admit that squire hathorne and a hundred others who all saw this marvellous thing plainly in open day were deceived by the trick of an unprincipled mountbank and juggler i shall hold both you and sir william to your word replied lady mary empathetically then turning to the young englishman who had remained entirely silent so far paying evident attention to all that was spoken but giving no sign or approval or disapproval she said master raymond what do you think of this matter master raymond rose from his chair and stepped a pace or two forward then he said if i answer your ladyship's question freely it might be to my own hurt having had my head once in the lion's mouth i am not anxious to put it there again the lady looked significantly at sir william speak out truly and fear nothing young man said the governor nothing that you say here shall ever work you injury while i am governor of the province what do you wish to know lady mary you i believe were the afflicted young man to whom master mather has referred master raymond bowed was there any reality in those pretended afflictions only a bad cold to begin with said the young man smiling how about the yellow bird it was all a sham i dealt with credulous and dangerous fools according to their folly how about those feathers they are feathers i got from the wings 
of one of the Salem jailer's chickens. Sir William laughed. How about the smell of sulphur which Squire Hathorne and Master Mather have detected in the feathers? I think it very probable, as I observed Goodwife Foster that morning giving her chickens powdered brimstone for the pip. Here the governor laughed loudly and long until Master Mather said indignantly, I am sorry, Sir William, that you can treat so lightly this infamous confession of falsehood and villainy. This impudent young man deserves to be sent for three days in the pillory, and then whipped out the cart's tail out of town. Of course it is a very shameful piece of business, replied the governor, regaining his gravity. But you know that as the confession has been made only on the promise of perfect immunity, I cannot, as a man of my word, suffer the least harm to come to the young person for making it oh of course not said the minister taking up his hat and preparing to leave the room but it is scandalous scandalous all respect for the magistrate and authority seems to be fading out of the popular mind i consider you a dangerous man a very dangerous young man this last of course to master raymond and i consider you tenfold more dangerous with your clerical influence and credulity and superstition replied the young englishman hotly being of good family who was not inclined to take such insults mildly how dare you with your hands all red with the blood of twenty innocent men and women talk to me about being dangerous peace said sir william with dignity my audience chamber is no place to quarrel in i beg your excellency's pardon said master raymond humbly one moment before you go said lady mary stepping in front of the minister i suppose you will be as good as your word master mather and admit that with all your wisdom you were entirely mistaken i acknowledge that squire hathorne and myself have been grossly deceived by an unprincipled adventurer but that proves nothing because james and jambres imitated with their sorceries the miracles of moses did it prove that moses was an impostor there was one judas among the twelve apostles but does that individuate the credibility of the eleven others who were not liars and cheats it is the great and overwhelming burden of the testimony which decides in this as in all other disputed matters not mere isolated cases good afternoon madam i will see you soon again sir william when we can have a quiet talk to ourselves stay cried lady mary as the offended minister was stalking out of the room you have forgotten something and she pointed to the little box containing the chicken's feathers which had been left lying upon the table the minister gave a gesture expressive of mingled contempt and indignation but did not come back for it it was evident that he valued the feathers now at considerably less than one hundred pounds young man said the governor smiling you are a very bright and keen-witted person but I would advise you not to linger in this province any longer than is absolutely necessary. Master Mather is much stronger here than I am. Chapter 50 The next morning a note came to Master Raymond from Joseph Putnam, brought by one of the farmhands. It was important. Abigail Williams had called upon Goodwife Buckley, and told her in confidence that it was in confrontation that she had learned from Anne Putnam to bring Dulcibel Burton back to Salem jail again. The escape of Captain Alden and the Englishes from the Bridewell in Boston 
had caused a doubt in salem as to its security besides lady phipps had taken ground so openly against the witch prosecutions that there was no knowing to how great an extent she might not go to aid any prisoner in whom she took an interest abigail williams further said that mistress ann putnam had become very bitter both against her brother-in-law joseph and his friend master raymond she was busy combating the idea that the latter really ever had been afflicted and was endeavouring to rouse squire hathorne's indignation against him as being a deceiver as the young man read this last he wondered what effect would be produced upon the credulous magistrate when he received word from master mather as to what had occurred in the governor's presence would he be so angry as to take very arbitrary measures or so ashamed as to let it all pass rather than expose the extent to which he had been duped he feared the former knowing in which way mistress ann putnam's great influence with him would be directed master joseph advised immediate action if peaceable means would not serve then the use of violent ones if captain tolly could not find among his sailors those who would undertake the job he master joseph would come down any night with three stout men overpower the keepers and carry off mistress dulcibel with the requisite amount of violence to keep her promise unbroken master raymond wrote a note in return he was much obliged for the information it was evident that the time had come for action and that it was dangerous to delay much longer of course peaceable means were to be preferred and it was possible he might be able either to bribe the keeper or to get a release from the governor but if force had to be resorted to captain tolly could command his whole crew for such a service as they were the kind of men who would like nothing better in fact they would not hesitate to open fire upon the town if he ordered it and even run up the flag of a french privateer after dispatching this business master raymond went down on the porch of the red lion and began an examination of the clouds and the weathercocks it had been raining slightly for a day or two with the wind from the south-east but though the veins still pointed to the south-east and the light lower clouds were moving from the same point of the compass he caught glimpse through the scud of higher clouds that were moving in an entirely opposite direction how do you make it out said a well-known voice he had heard some one approaching but had supposed it to be a stranger i am not much of a sailor but i should say it would clear up with a brisk wind from the west or the north-west by afternoon ay said captain tolly for it was he and a stiff nor'wester by night if it isn't i'll give my head for football were i bound out of the harbour i would not whistle for a better wind than we shall have before six hours are over master raymond glanced around no one was near them are you certain of that captain would it do to bet upon you may bet all you are worth and your sweetheart into the bargain replied the captain laughing with a significant look out of his eyes when are you going captain oh to-night perhaps if i can get all my livestock on board to-night then let it be said the young man in a whisper by fair means or by foul i may succeed by fair means have a boat waiting at the wharf for me it will be light enough to get out of the harbour there is a gibbous moon plenty 
once past the castle and we are safe we can easily break open the keeper's house and quiet him with a pistol at his head you must not harm him he has been a good friend to her of course only scare him a little besides he is not a good friend if he makes a noise well i will see you by ten o'clock with her or without her yes i will bet you a gold piece captain that the wind gets around to the west by four o'clock this last was in master raymond's usual tones the previous conversation having been in whispers you will be safe enough in that master raymond said the landlord of the red lion whose steps the englishman had heard approaching do you think so i do not want to take the young man's money he is only a landsman you know mate but i will bet you a piece of eight that the wind will not get around till a half hour after that time and we will take it all out in drinks at your bar at our leisure done said the landlord and now let's go in and take a drink all around in advance End of chapters forty five to fifty